Hi, this is Paul, and you're listening to a special mini-session from our Next Up event that we hosted during the Arroyo Seco Weekend Music Festival in Pasadena. In this episode, we speak with David Freeland, faculty member at SciArc and one of the founders and partners of Freeland Buck, an architectural design practice specializing in commercial interiors and speculative installations. So we're here with David Freeland of Freeland Buck. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, right now, we're talking uh, kind of broadly about festivals and pavilions. Um, you guys do a lot of pavilions and installations. When you're approaching a project, an installation, what are the primary things that you're trying to accomplish? Well, you know, I think it's varied in the development of our practice. I, I think that right now, or recently, there's been a kind of critique of pavilion architecture as a kind of proto-architecture, almost a kind of infantilized building in some way. And I think that implies a kind of infantilization of the architect, uh, in a sense, and which I think is in a way true uh, for us. The, the pavilions are a kind of, um, they're a reduced version of a building problem, which is a great opportunity. And so in, in terms of the timeline and the development of the office, early on, it was a kind of ground by which we were able to test out different ideas and sort out the direction of the office. And as that's kind of, uh, as the office has progressed over the past five or so years, I should mention that my, my collaborator, Brendan Buck, who's not here, I'm, I'm speaking uh, with him in mind as well, that that's changed a little bit. So no longer are we kind of trying to sort out our kind of our platform or the kind of the interests of the office as much as uh, now we're challenged by how long it takes projects to, to develop. And so now the pavilions and the installations are an opportunity to get ideas out quickly or continue to test things, but in a way to invigorate projects that take a much longer period of time to, to develop and to get built. And, and how would you... Uh describe the identity of Freeland Buck, the, the direction that you guys settled on, if you will? Mm. Well, um, that's a good question. I think that drawing has been a kind of autonomous interest in the office since the, the beginning. We've always made drawings and made drawings even exclusive of buildings, but we're also very suspect of that autonomy because we're an office that builds. So I think that uh, the installations have always engaged drawing, and we really think about the installations as drawing at full scale. So we think about drawing in terms of its structural possibilities, in terms of its tectonic possibilities, in terms of its representational possibilities, but ones that are not just about this simple transition, let's say, from drawing at, at a, a kind of scale of the drawing board um, and then building at the scale of the building, but maybe drawing at the scale of the building. A lot of your temporary installations or, or permanent installations incorporate geometries, often quite complex geometries. I was wondering if you could talk about how, you know, the process behind developing those and, and, and uh, your intention behind those. Yeah. Well, I think that architecture is tremendously complex. So if in 1966, Robert Venturi, Complexity and Contradiction made the kind of the argument that because of concerns of the program and, and the complexity of culture, that the, this suggests a kind of new architecture of complexity. I think 40 or 50 years after the fact, we're, we're way beyond. We're so complex at this point. That, and there, there's so many challenges to, to architects that it's, it's really a problem. Complexity is a problem to, to work on. How to orchestrate and accommodate challenges of program, challenges of situation or context. And so the work with 
geometry in as much as it's about a kind of a formal interest, to be, to be frank. It's also about trying to understand, organizationally speaking, how are buildings uh, configured, how are spaces organized to create connection and coherence and this is an organizational problem for us and it doesn't work on a grid. It works on a, a different set of connectivities and uh, I think that's some of what kind of uh, the, the geometry is interested to, to work on. I have a kind of recurring interest in hearing what architects say about this because when we're talking about installation style architecture to a public, sometimes it's the distinction between that and art. Visual art is... Uh, hard to perceive. Do you think it's important when you're approaching these installations to make it register as architecture and is or is the distinction kind of negligible at this point? I don't think it's productive to talk about the work with this kind of dichotomy in mind. That's not to say that critics shouldn't talk about it in that way, but I find when we approach a project, it's not something that we're trying to work on in particular. Like what makes this art or what makes this architecture? We're an architecture office, and by virtue of the fact that we're doing the work, we, we inscribe it within the architecture discipline. So we're, we're working on architectural issues. I, I think it's super interesting the way this is consumed, though, by the art world and by the architecture of the world and what the architecture world thinks is art <laughs> and what, what, what the art world uh, generally does not think is art. So yeah, I, I think our work does probably walk the line between those things. But, but it, again, I, I think it goes back to reducing problems of building to smaller parts to, to work on. A lot of your work is highly site-specific. So you're the Freeland part in Los Angeles. Buck is in Connecticut. Is that correct? On the East yeah, Coast? Yeah, Brooklyn. Okay, so he's far away. Um, how do you uh, handle that proximity issue with with designing for such site-specific architecture? Uh, I mean, we travel back and forth quite a bit. I mean, in, in terms of the kind of communication, the kind of discursive production of the project, uh, all sorts of technologies facilitate communication for us. So everything from you know, video conferencing to texting, it's all on the table all the time. Uh, so I think we're, we're very connected in that way and the, developing the, the sort of the direction for the project. Documentation of the existing situation of a project, I, I think that maybe falls into our drawing interests to some extent because by drawing through what something is, uh, it certainly describes its its limits, its parameters for the, the uh, whatever sort of installation or building might might actually be emerging. But also, drawing is a way to inscribe the project into a set of interests in the office. So it's a representational technique. It's a means of internal description um, for for us in the office. To kind of get at your thought process behind a project, I'd like to hear about some specific ones. Could you tell me a bit about uh, the Technicolor Bloom project in Vienna? There's like this play between legibility and illegibility that was really intriguing to me. I don't know if that would be how you describe it at all, but when I was looking at it. So Technicolor Bloom was primarily Brennan's project. It was his project and, and with some collaborators that he worked on, like Rob Henderson, uh, when he, he was teaching with Greg Lynn at the Angavanta in Vienna. He produced that prior to us beginning to collaborate, but I mean, we've been quite close uh, since we met in grad school at UCLA. So I, I mean, I think that your description is kind of in the, the ballpark, certainly. I, I think that, uh, speaking for him for a moment, like the, the problem of drawing as related to geometry and the way the, that drawing became structural 
in the description of surface uh, through patterning was uh, was certainly a, a focus of the, the project. Uh, oh, how about the Yale Assembly Pavilion? Uh, also, Brennan, because uh, that was part of the, the Yale seminar that he ran, and they did it uh, three consecutive years. But I, I think, I mean, putting those two together is quite smart because they are quite connected, and the, the Assembly Pavilions were meant to be an extension of that project. And there's certainly important components of that that, that uh, are present in our collaborative work as well. And how does that collaboration work? So you, you have these distinct, do you have just, would you say you have distinct uh, roles in the practice? Um, I mean, in terms of the project delivery and management, yeah, I mean, that is more separate based on which one is the lead for the project and where the project is located. In terms of the, the design, it's very collaborative. We started working together because we had similar interests and when we were at UCLA we we did our thesis projects uh, sitting right next to each other they were quite different in some ways but but shared a really a common background and set of uh, kind of key instructors that that influenced our our work and thinking so yeah we we've kind of found that uh, similarity in our interests and so we continue to find that it's uh, actually really productive to fully collaborate on everything could you could you tell us a little bit about parallax yeah yeah, so Parallax Gap is an installation that was part of an invited competition. We were contacted by the Renwick Gallery of the Smithsonian. So the, the Renwick is the, the craft, is a craft-oriented museum. They were interested to look for proposals for an installation in their main gallery on the second level, about a 5,000 square foot space. And th this um, series that they, I, I think they intend to continue trying to do is part of a new direction in the museum that invites architects uh, and, and artists to do site-specific work there. So it was, uh, it was, there was us along with three other offices were invited to submit work, architecture offices, and we were submitted, uh, selected after a multiple phase competition process. Our proposal was looking at the ceiling not as a kind of limited condition, but how through our installation we could suggest additional depth and spatiality of the of the room. So we kind of literally took on the ceiling as a, a collection of different samples. We redrew uh, a series of different ceilings that were contemporaneously built with the Renwick. So there's this kind of interest in a relationship between that particular place and maybe other uh, similar uh, ceilings that were being constructed at the same time. And so the, the series of different ceiling drawings were disposed throughout the entire room as a, as a singular installation. Each ceiling then had its own kind of constructed point of perspective. So uh, we were very interested in Andrea Pozzo's work at the St. Ignazio, which is a church in, in Italy where they ran out of money to construct the dome. And so his sort of proposal was to paint the dome and paint the implied depth of the dome so as to imitate a kind of reality, a, a kind of trompe l'oeil effect. And so we were interested in how this could suggest ways of expanding the space of the, the gallery and constructing through perspective particular and, and multiple points of view throughout the gallery. Can you talk a little bit about the method of fabrication for this uh, parallax gap? Sure. So as I was talking about before, the the drawing is something that has uh, been a continue, 
continued technique uh, for our exploration as an office and in, in the installations. And the drawing at the at full scale here played out as uh, a series of CNC cut and printed fabric layers. Uh, the installation is disposed uh, along six different layers of drawings that hang in the space. Uh, the fabric is stretched onto aluminum tubing, uh, and uh, those are hung from the ceiling itself. So the whole thing is, is suspended above the ground with, with nothing uh, touching the ground of the, of the gallery itself. Um, you teach as well. So I'm wondering, do you find that working working on like installation scale work is a very like a useful teaching method or do you ever engage with that with your students yeah i i think this is probably something that was more the case earlier in the practice i think on the earlier installations where specific sort of fabrication techniques were an object of interest and so we were looking at milling or we were looking at uh, 3d printing specifically and what they could unlock in terms of construction technologies and students were very much a part of that they were part of that innovation and they were involved in the installations i i, I think now the uh, teaching continues to play an important role in the office but I think more is a kind of framing of very particular ideas and playing them out as problems in the design studio. And I, I think that's something that we particularly focus on, making similar sorts of propositions in the office as in the studio, that when we begin a project, we should write a brief for the project. Um, the same way we would write a studio brief. And even though we're not giving that to a set of students to develop, it's something that we're generating in the office to formulate a specific position and, and way of working. And, and it also helps now that the office is bigger and we have um, more people working with us that we can give a clear direction uh, that, that everyone's working under. So I, I think that in a way, the early on, it was more kind of open and exploratory. And, and now the stu studio method has become a way of organizing the office in some ways. Well, thank you very much for talking with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this mini-session. For more information about this show and other shows from this series, check out Arconnect.com. I'd like to thank all of our guests, especially Jimenez Lai and Joanna Grant of Bureau Spectacular for creating the beautiful structure for this event. I'd also like to express our gratitude to Golden Voice, especially Rafi Lair, for encouraging a public discussion about architecture and urban design and for including us in this amazing inaugural event.